0: Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia
1: Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast
0: with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, over the last couple of months, we've had loads of emails in from people looking for tips for their children, for their families, how to eat better, how to be healthier. And on today's episode, that's exactly what we're going to cover. How to have your family eating healthier, fitter, feeling better, and what to do in terms of children and children's eating. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Eva Hearn dietitian, mum of three, and you'll know her from Operation Transformation. She's a very good friend of mine and delighted to have her in studio. Eva, welcome to The Real Health Podcast.
1: I thank you, Carl. It is great to be here.
0: Finally get you into studio. How's life? Sorry,
1: I was just in the middle of having a baby, you know. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you
0: very much. How's thank things?
1: You? Yeah, good, good. When everyone's sleeping, as we've already mentioned. <laughs> Not happening all the time, but we're getting there. It'll
0: settle, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, It'll Ah, settle. listen in time, it does, right?
0: So listen, today's episode, Um, we've been wanting to do this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Families, we've had loads of emails in from people. I would get, can we get somebody in to talk about food, yes. and families, and eating for families, and children's eating, and tips? I so I thought there's no one better than you <laughs> to bring in, in all fairness. Well, thank you. The family of three of you three young children. Three
1: kids, yeah. Dylan just turned four, no Alva's way. two and a half almost, and Zoe is five months. Wow. Yeah, so it's busy, 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 busy. And I think, though, like you need to have a plan of attack. If you want to eat well, live well, have a healthy family, like it won't just happen. Like when you've no kids, you can wing it and you can probably achieve it most of the time. But when you've got lots of moving parts and like a busy job, maybe, you know, there really has to be some kind of plan in place or everything will fall to pieces. And of course, that family <laughs> unit is
0: crucial in terms of health, in yeah. terms of not just in terms of weight, but in terms of a healthy family, mm-hmm. setting children up for later in life, yeah. setting good habits, teaching them mm-hmm. how to cook. That mm-hmm. unit is absolutely crucial, and the one thing I've always said in any article I've written or for talking about it is that I always feel that parents should be leading by example.
1: Number one tip, absolutely, oh. yeah, <laughs> you, you beat me to it. <laughs> well, and I really think that you know it really starts during pregnancy even it's a time to really start to think about you know what's important for you as the woman maybe initially but like you know what a woman eats during her pregnancy can affect the health of that baby for the rest of the baby's life so it really you know it's just not about you anymore and I think that's what maybe when you get pregnant first and then the baby comes you realise it's just not about you anymore you know there's so much some things that are so much bigger so it is thinking about you know what do you want for the family but definitely lead by example is absolutely above and beyond the most important thing because kids will really follow what they see you do and very little of what you say so I saw I was at a talk recently and I think it was something like the research says that kids take 7% of what you say and most of it is non-verbal or your actions 7? yeah, depressing that's low so well it's good sometimes it doesn't matter what you say so when you're angry maybe that's good right
0: (laughs) but like in terms of food they're they're watching all the time what you're eating in the car when you're picking them up when you're Mm -hmm. at home Mm -hmm. at the weekends when adults will let their hair down a little bit kids are watching everything
1: yeah they're watching everything and they're taking in you know even I suppose what you consider to be healthy your relationship with food so that's why again for me after leading by example it is thinking about habits not about food So thinking about your habits with food, thinking about your behavior with food, are you eating in response to happy? Are you eating in response to being sad? You know, why are you eating? And what messages are your kids getting from that? Are you jumping up on a scale every morning and thinking, wow, my number is smaller and that's good? And these little minds are thinking, what's this magic machine on the floor? Meaning mommy or daddy is happy or sad. You know, like those kind of things really, really matter. You know, and I suppose... It is trying to create these healthy relationship with food because really most of the people who are in my office to lose weight, it's because or most of the people on Operation Transformation are there because they have an unhealthy relationship with food. It's not always only about the food. And yes, food is a big part of it. But I would say your habits and behaviours around food, about why you eat, how much you eat, all of those things are super important. And I think sometimes it's the piece people miss, you know. And even we think about, you know, so many people now are growing up in a place where, you know, eating healthy, healthy means being on a diet and really want to pull that diet mentality behavior completely away from kids it's nothing to do with them I know I think I saw somewhere recently about counting steps for kids fine from an activity perspective but also something about counting calories and I mean the last thing you want any small person doing is counting calories you know like that's not even should not even be part of their um, I suppose psyche but we want them to stay connected to their hunger and their fullness and that is key because really when babies are born they innately know when they're full. So they generally will stop feeding when they're full, right? So we really want to help them stay connected to that. And I suppose when babies are breastfed, it's very easy to do that because you literally cannot force a baby to feed, right? But with when you're bottle feeding, it's really important then to also, so there's a way of feeding called paste bottle feeding. So whether it's express breast milk or whether it's formula, you really want to stay connected to that hunger and fullness of the baby so that as they grow, they know what full feels like. Now, mo- mostly, I suppose, when they're babies, that's easy enough to do. The problem is as they get older and everybody wants that baby to sleep, you're saying one more bite, finish everything on your plate, all of these types of things which push them past that full feeling. So again, it really is. And this is a hard thing for parents sometimes to do. But when kids say they're full, it's to accept it and move on. And, and, and of course,
0: the old Irish way is is to finish your plate. Yes. That, that's that, that's an age old thing. Yeah. So the first thing for anyone listening in is to lead by example. Lead by without example. a doubt. And then if yeah. you find as an adult that you are overeating or emotionally eating mm-hmm. is to have a little look at it. Yeah. Spend a little bit of time, you know, by yourself and you know get your own food back on track i know in previous episodes of the podcast we've had dr eddie murphy in we've had david coleman mm-hmm. we've had lots of people in to chat about kind of emotional yes. eating um yes so ha- maybe have a listen back to that but it's very much what you do what you eat how you act around food is setting the the example visually yes for everyone in that household so it's really really important
1: And maybe as well, it's thinking about what you don't, what habits you have that you don't want your kids to have. So how do you approach that? You know what I mean? So you like, I suppose we will all eat in response to things like birthdays and christenings and, you know, all these things. And that's fine. But, you know, we don't want kids reaching for biscuits just because they've had a bad day at school you know so it's trying to i suppose give non-food rewards trying to get to soothe their emotions without using food as the thing that's soothing and that's the,
0: what's the best because that's got to be a common one for our listeners without a doubt using you know chocolate sweets oh, no. as rewards for a child who's done yes. something good yes. or you know as, as an obvious reward yeah what's the best way around that what could they give them maybe instead of sweets
1: so I think when it comes to maybe emotional stuff if they're sad happy angry something bad has happened at school try to soothe that emotion so connect in with what that emotion is and again David Coleman and Dr. Eddie will be far more qualified to talk about how to do that than I Um, but you know it is to figure out what the emotion is rather than masking over it with chocolate right but also then you know if they've done good at school food doesn't have to be the first reward now it may be the reward sometimes right this is not about being perfect you know it's getting it right most of the time and being good enough I think is key as well but you know I would say it's looking at you know because kids really just want to spend time with their parents and most of us are so busy it can be hard to do that you know so you know maybe you'll go to the cinema maybe you'll go for a walk maybe if there's a few kids in the family you get one-on-one time maybe they get something in the toy shop you know it just try not to reward and not to punish with food that's really really important so which kind of leads us on to treats
0: I was gonna go there. That's the <laughs> obvious place to go. The treat. I remember as a kid growing up, I used to go to my uncle's in swords, uh, my uncle John, and he yeah. had a treat box. Yes. And I can remember it. Yeah. If we were really good, we got to we yeah. got to take one bar out of the out of the treat box. And yeah. i can't remember what the bar was. <laughs> there was timeouts, there were flake bars. I can remember them vividly. See, it it's one amazing. of those mad memories in yeah. life. I can remember and like we there'd be a movie night on a Saturday night, he would be over yeah. saying over, and I can remember he'd bring out the treat box box and you'd be able to choose your one bar if you were if you were good or good. whatever treat yes. boxes treats talk to me
1: so <laughs> the key thing for kids really is that no foods are off limits none which can be difficult as a parent because we all feel like jesus they are going to go bananas mm-hmm. should they leave that out of house and home there would be nothing no chocolate left in the house but what the research really shows is that when kids have an unlimited access now Within reason, and we'll talk about that in a second. But when they've unlimited access to sweets and treats, when they know they can get them, they actually eat less of them because the power of those sweet treats is completely taken away. They're no longer the forbidden So they're food. normalized. Absolutely. So
0: by normalizing uh, treat foods, mm-hmm. you take and the stigma away from it and it just becomes a balance. Yep. As yep. part of a balanced as, yes. diet.
1: And so that's the other key thing. Like I think it's, it's keeping them as part of... The normal structure of eating, and I suppose this comes back to Ellen Satter is a child is a pediatric dietitian and psychologist, and she will talk about the division of responsibility. And so it says the what, the when, and the where of eating is up to the parent. and to eat it or how much to eat, if at any at all, is up to the child. So it is still yeah, like, give us that again. The so wash, what, the, what, the when, and the where. The
0: what? The when and the where is the parent or the person providing the meal?
1: Absolutely. So their job is to provide nourishing food in a structured way, in a healthy environment. And when kids know that meals are coming on a regular basis and the child's job is to eat it or not.
0: What happens if they don't eat it?
1: Kids will not let themselves go hungry. They will if they know you're going to cave eventually. So this is where you really have to play the long game with kids. <laughs> and it's really hard after a long day and when you've got, like, no energy and you're a you just want to eat them, to eat anything at all and go to bed. But it is really to try and hold firm with that. You know, to, you know you know, provide. And again, now, there will always be preferences with kids. So, you know, as they get older, it's okay if they don't like broccoli, you know, as long as they're eating other vegetables Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But it really is making sure that kids are part of this process and there's no, it's not a power struggle, which is what it's turning into in many, many houses across the country. So it's kind of just Relinquishing that power and realizing you are doing your job, you're providing the food, and the child can eat it or not eat it. And sometimes there'll be growth spurts, and they'll eat tons, and sometimes they won't. But again, they're staying connected to their hunger and fullness. I suppose the caveat of that is if they say they're full, they don't want to eat their dinner, and it's not treat night. Um, they can't necessarily eat anything else then.
0: Okay, so if they don't have the dinner, that's it. That's the last meal.
1: If that's the routine of the family right so maybe the routine the family is to always have a slice of toast an hour before bed or whatever so it's just keeping it within the structure of the family
0: and should that be done so for, on, on that, so it should be like dinner should be say whatever time dinner is and that's it or should it be dinner and a something or is yeah, there, it depends. A, there's probably not a, not a one size fits all. Probably
1: or not there? and I'd say sometimes kids now especially if there's a parent at home or they're going home to a grandparent's house they may be having dinner at like half two, three o'clock in the day so then obviously they're going to eat something but if dinner is not till six and they're going to bed in an ideal world at half seven eight o'clock uh, they probably don't need anything else right. So if dinner is literally evening time and they say they're full and they don't want to eat dinner which has happened with my just turned four year old and he'll say oh I'm hungry now because he's delaying going to bed and I'm like that's grand she'll have a good breakfast in the morning now <laughs> and inside I'm like hold up hold tough." <laughs> poker face and you just have to push through it and it's not easy especially when you're sleep deprived but I mean if you cave once and you're going to keep caving they know you're going to do it they are so smart that you really have to hold through on it and they really won't let themselves go hungry so they will learn to finish their dinner till they're full so it's not about finishing their plate or having this clean plate club in the house. It's finishing, you know, wh- your meal when you feel full.
0: And that's very much a change in Irish sentiment it, because it was never like that. It was always finishing you know, finish your meal. Yeah.
1: And I suppose it came from a different time, though, didn't it? You know, our grandparents would have been, you know, probably remembered food rations and things, you know. So it was a much different time, you know. So, again, we have an overabundance of food at this stage in Ireland, you know food is available twenty four seven. So it is trying to have some structure in it. And I suppose coming back to then to the treats, you know, it is looking at having a flexible treats policy, which may mean once a week, it may mean small dessert a day. It is up to you what works best for your family, but it's to be consistent with it. So even if your child has had a tantrum and Friday is treat day, they still have their treat.
0: So you should still identify a night or a policy for treats as yeah, part a of a balance, as yes. part of a balanced way of eating, yes. and normalising mm-hmm. you know, chocolate or, yep. or or a can of coke or whatever. Yeah. but there should be a nominated day or
1: maybe not the fizzy drinks. I will go back no. on that. I think okay. they're probably the the big no no in general. Okay. But in with it, when it comes to chocolate, sweets, crisps. You know, maybe Saturday night is movie night. Yeah. You know, you do it that night. Maybe have a little dessert every night of the week. Sometimes it might be stewed apple. Sometimes it might be a small biscuit. You know, it can vary as well. The word there is you know? Yes, <laughs> and obviously, like portion control is important, but at the same time it is allowing them to connect to their hunger and fullness mm-hmm. like we I was away in Portugal for a week and Dylan we were having coffee and he wanted a cupcake and we were on holiday so that was fine and he left half of it he said I'm full mommy," and he went ran, ran off so you would be surprised that if you allow kids to stay connected to that fullness that they actually will stop eating when they're full no matter what's in front of them but it's trusting them to do it and you know hanging tough through it when they are testing the boundaries as kids are always going
0: to do and what about if you're trying to introduce new foods? Mm-hmm. So, tasting new foods, yeah. that's going to be a time when you're going to come up against resistance. one Yeah. Would
1: yeah. And again, like it can take 20 times to accept a new food, up to 30 times to like it.
0: 20 times to accept it, Which and 30 would be, times to like it. Except for adults as well.
1: Yeah. Is it? Now, like. maybe adults can, you know, push themselves a little quicker. <clears throat> now, up to 20 times, right? But let's say it takes the 20 times. That's like Monday to Friday for a full month. Of having some broccoli on the plate.
0: Is broccoli the one that? Everyone no, resists? no. I'm just throwing broccoli <laughs> out there
1: because it got an awful hard wrap in our house last night. Um, but you know, and the other rule then is to try and keep broccoli on the plate. Let's just say, which <laughs> or didn't, sprouts which, or, which yes, we didn't succeed in our house last night. But in the, again, in general, what we'll see if kids have to leave it on their plate, eventually of their own accord, they will try it. But again, then it is embracing kids, bringing them along the process, and as they get a little older, you know, allowing them to pick a meal allowing them to help you prepare a meal, pick fruit and veg in the supermarket with you. You know, those kind of things actually really, really help. And then I suppose appreciating that if they really don't like Brussels sprouts that you don't load their plate with Brussels sprouts right like maybe they love carrots so you put one little bit of a Brussels sprout with all their carrots so they feel you know
0: or mix it together yeah
1: mix it together whatever it may be but also you know I suppose as they get older it's trying to have like family rules which may look like we all try a bite of a new food mom and dad included. So, you know, if you don't like something that you put something on your plate and you try one bite of it, you can still decide you like it or you don't like it, but you've tried it. So it's, again, getting kids into this, you know, they try new things, they don't like it, no problem, you're not angry, you're not frustrated. Again, way easier said than done. Um, But, again, it's trying to go through this whole process, ultimately knowing that you are doing your job by providing the food, and it is 100% the child's responsibility to eat it.
0: Plus in that scenario You're leading by example So yes. you're trying it as well Which is yeah. great so Both yeah. parents are showing That they're trying it as mm-hmm. well That are making it more of a family um, a family thing to do yes. together as opposed to isolating a child or isolating children yes. or anything like that it's one unit
1: and again I think this comes into play a lot too when there may be a child that's overweight in the family one that's very thin which we see that can often happen generation. people and come
0: into us all the time will you help my child lose weight? no mm-hmm. I would help the family lose weight yes yeah, as yeah, a yeah. unit I know as a unit but yeah. I will not help your child who is 10 or 15 or whatever yeah. age doesn't matter what age they are no. we will get the unit to work together because yeah. I think that's the way forward
1: yeah and I would be the same in the clinic as well I would generally get the whole family in and we make family rules though it never singles out any one person because I, again i think that creates an unhealthy relationship really with food for many reasons you know so again it is trying to have these family rules that everyone abides by parents included you know like um and you know, it's really checking in with kids at meal times. Are they hungry? Are they three quarters full? Are they all the way full? All of those things are important, and making it a technology-free zone.
0: Oh, I get to that in a sec, <laughs> folks. You're you're <laughs> listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. This is the family episode. Uh, family food, family tips, technology-free meal times. Yes. Talk to me about that. No, no phones, phones at the table. No TV screens. Nothing. No iPads. No iPads. Nada
1: even no Lego but I'm really struggling with that in my house it's ah, now leave the Lego alone. but again you know you kind of because for younger kids though they get distracted so easy so it is to try and have it a time where you connect with everyone as they get older it's a really good time to talk to people but these phones are killing us at mealtime so you know it really is to keep us connected and talk you know talk to kids even about as they're younger you know what sound does that food make is that hard is it crunchy is it soft is it mushy you know I sometimes make Omelets. My husband kills me. I'm like Dylan. What do you think that vegetable is? And I keep he keeps taking more bites to try and guess the veg. But it is to create that time, you know, and create games. But if the phones are out and if the parents are checking their emails and things and texting people, again, leading by example. So leaving phones, you know, somewhere else in the room.
0: Because one of your tips I know is about the one family one meal. Yes. Eating together as a unit at the table. Yes.
1: Only one. Only one meal. So you're not a short order cook. Again. <laughs> If they don't want to eat it, that's absolutely fine. No problem. No skin off my nose, but you're going to be hungry. I wouldn't like to be hungry, but that's fine if that's what you want to be. And that
0: pulls back to the poker face, <laughs> of just holding yeah. firm But the fact this is the meal, we're all eating it together.
1: And again, I suppose it is easier when you start out that way for anyone listening who may have older children and you're trying to convert them to this way. It definitely takes longer. It takes time. No, people don't like change. There will be resistance, you know, but it is to hold true on it, you know, and really I suppose, again, to- if If there are people listening who want to start making changes, you know, it's sitting kids down and saying, listen, I heard this thing. I was thinking about trying this. You know, it would be good for us to eat together as a family, not have our phones I'm really busy. I can't cook loads of meals. This, there is only going to be one meal, but you'll have a chance to choose what meal you want once a week. You know, so again, you're kind of, they're part of the process. And I think as kids get older, that's important. But also as you're introducing new vegetables to children, you know, even showing them in the supermarket what they look like before they're cooked. Maybe they can help even chop, you know, throw things in the pot, whatever it may be.
0: Because is not that a huge thing that children have and as they go into teenagers as they go to college have less and less skills in the kitchen because yes. they don't know what certain vegetables are we found that operation transformation before I can remember yes. one or two series ago Having, there was huge people they got into schools they had no the clue what anything was
1: I know they don't know what courgettes are
0: <laughs> so that you know people listening in they should be getting their children involved in yeah. the shopping in you know putting a recipe together in helping to cook maybe bits of parts of that recipe or chopping or dicing yeah. something
1: and even from a young age they can do that now again depending on how many in the family it, it is easier said than done like bringing three kids to the supermarket is not fun and it's not with faint <laughs> heart let me tell you but you know needs must and all that but if you have time you know for each child to take them out one on one every so often or you can at least even bring them home and you know show them you know the different vegetables you know try them raw try them cooked you know even kids sometimes like things crunchy you know sometimes it's a texture thing i mean if they want them cooked or uncooked that doesn't really matter as long as they're eating especially when it comes to veg i suppose because that's often where the resistance is isn't it you know with the vegetables so it is trying to get them you know trying different things in different ways
0: what's the recommended vegetable uh, amount for children
1: so a portion is around eighty grams so it would be like three broccoli florets. Oh, yeah. and we're still recommending up to seven a day
0: <laughs> so seven is the new, seven yeah, is so the, the rda
1: and and i think you know when it comes to fruit and veg with kids we just want to expose them to different ones you know and whatever ones they like are fine but again we don't want them stuck only on bananas and only on carrots really so if we can try and broaden their horizons a little bit without putting too much pressure and without becoming too much of a control thing you know or a power struggle you know that is good but once they're eating any veg or any fruit that is a really good place to be starting
0: so it could be having you know a policy in the household of a new vegetable every week or a different or vegetable every, every week Go weeks, easy, weeks a bit small. strong isn't yeah. it 52 <laughs> vegetables that wouldn't quite work
1: <laughs> but yeah absolutely yeah. and i think again it's it's bringing the kids with you on this journey maybe you know talking them through god this is important you know did you know i don't know some fun fact you know like even with dylan like i carrots are good for your you know yeah and eyes and we talk about these you know things and even calcium is good for your bones and you know for example so um dylan is a hurling supporter and so we our local hurling club is bally Garner, as you'll know and his favorite hurler is jj which is my sister-in-law's brother and so my line 100 percent of the time is now god did you know jj absolutely loves broccoli <laughs> he's looking at me going really? yeah i was only talking to him yesterday for broccoli dylan Mm, and I can see his little head. Yeah, yeah. He still might not eat broccoli that day. But, you know, it's, again, using, I suppose, yeah. these things to have positive connotations with, with food as well is important.
0: I want to have a chat about childhood obesity. Yes. What? So if someone is listening in yes. and they're concerned about their child, their child mm-hmm. is overweight, mm-hmm. um, and their child is gaining weight. Uh, yeah. What's the best way to deal with that? Yeah. A, you're a dietitian, so I know from food perspective you'd have I the know. answers. But B, for as a parent, parent, I think you're a fascinating person to ask, and you're so in control oh. of all this parenting stuff. It's I'm great. not in
1: control. That is definitely it. May look like a car, like yeah. I'm not in control.
0: But like, where does a parent? Wh- yeah. How do they deal with that? Should they go to their GP? Should they go to the school? Should they go? Should they weigh them? Should they not weigh them? Oh. I'm fascinated by what you think.
1: I think um, it's definitely a really hard. It's a hard place to be. I think your GP is probably a good port of call maybe initially. i will
0: have GP's emailing us, give it out to us now. I you know but do? the
1: problem I suppose is that we don't have a lot of support in the community setting to deal with it. That is a big issue. Yeah. You know there are many counties that may not even have a dietitian. So like where do you go right? What I would say is that oftentimes, when parents come to see me they want weight loss weight loss weight loss. When actually maybe if you can hold a child's weight and that might for the parent mean staying in the same size clothes for a few years. You know. know children will often grow into their weight so sometimes you know we're maybe too like Quick to jump to it being a really big issue, whereas if we can start looking at maybe just holding their weight and get them moving more, like you'll know this definitely exercise has a big part to play in it. And of course, look at what's happening. You know what is going on when it comes to food. Is there sneaky eating happening? Are they connected with their hunger and fullness? Like those kinds of things are really really important. And I think getting and looking at our foods been rewarding. You know, you're rewarding them with foods. All of those things. So it's very much but, pulling
0: it back to baby as a family unit in terms of food and in terms of exercise so all the tips that we've gone through the one family the one meal they're having you know a treat day and balancing that out as part of a normal a normal diet
1: and just because they're overweight doesn't mean they can't have a treat and just because they have a really high appetite if you start restricting what they're eating because you believe they're eating too much but they're eating in response to their hunger it's not going to stop them eating
0: yeah that's a cuz the earlier part of the conversation we were chatting about that which was like let the child decide how much they want mm-hmm. to eat. So what if they come back for seconds and thirds and keep coming back? I know. Is that it?
1: But it's up to the parent, I suppose, what what composition that meal is. So you can have it veg heavy. You know, you don't bed, have course, to have it loaded yeah. with chips, for example. You know, you can think about what food is on access to the child, you know, in the house as well. You know, if the you know, so there's not maybe biscuits on the kitchen counter. Right. They might be somewhere in the house, but they're not there visual all the time, you know. Um, but also, I suppose what often happens to me is I get parents c- ringing me about an appointment and um, they wa- they're they really concerned about their child and they haven't said it to the child well you know that child knows they're overweight Mm -hmm. and if no one's talking about it they feel it's something to be really shameful of so it actually is a really hard conversation to have but I often will say to parents you know pick a time when maybe they open the door a bit and then you say well how do you feel about it is there something you want to do about it what can we do together you know because when I generally have children sitting in front of me now they're normally maybe teenagers I don't generally see younger children um, and I say, how do you feel about your weight? They just instantly start crying. You know, and it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's a hard the, conversation it's as a parent And, it's, and it's, for me, it's a very hard conversation to have too. You know, you don't want someone. But no one has actually asked them that. And it's like nobody wants to talk about it. You know, so everyone's just skirting around it. So, you know, I think sometimes it is just being upfront about it in a really sensitive way. You know, obviously we don't want... I suppose, you know, us calling children fat or calling children big or, you know, whatever it is, it is kind of saying, well, how do you feel about it? Is there something you want to do? Let them lead the change because actually often they know what the issue is, but maybe they're struggling to implement it.
0: And of course, running from the issues is never a good thing so if your child is overweight and just not deciding not to talk about it and not to deal with it yeah it's just setting them up for more weight gain through their adolescence into teenagers into adulthood and so on and so forth. Well, that's
1: it because you know if they're going to continue doing the same thing it's not going to get any better is it you know so it is trying to tackle what's at the heart of it and and often then you know maybe parents will say will sit their child down like in a situation where maybe they've kind of opened that door to that conversation and maybe the mother or the father is saying, Jeannie, I would really like to be a bit more healthy. So I think it is focusing on, you know, making better choices for the family, healthier choices for the family, rather than weight loss being the actual focus. And I think just taking weight out of it. and the child may bring weight into it, but, you know, I think it is trying to bring it back to being healthy, feeling good about yourself, because often, actually, if they feel good, the number on scale doesn't matter as much do you know what i mean whereas often they're going to be very focused on that number and i think maybe like for teenagers now with smartphones and with social media it is really challenging you know but again i suppose it really is trying to um you know not have magazines in the house not talk about being on a diet not speaking about people's weight not commenting eat from when children are very young there should be no mention of anybody else's weight at all be they too heavy too fat, too skinny whatever it is that you just don't comment on other people's body shape That that's just not part of the conversation at home you know so it is starting at that point you know and there's really good um really good if you google no fat talk i think if you, if you google that no fat or fat free talk fat free talk there is a sorority in the u.s that had this whole um that had this kind of whole theme of of fat-free talk and how we're really damaging our young people by always commenting on, you know, fatness, I guess, you know. So, again, it is trying to frame, I suppose, you know, being healthy rather than just on weight Mm -hmm. and I know I'm on a weight loss show but at the same time like you and me we always focus on the habits rather than just the weight Mm because really that's what's going to give the long term benefit as well and you know it is to understand people are all shapes and sizes everybody doesn't have to be a size 8 or a 10 you can still be healthy at size 12, 14, 16 but how you're at that weight is important you know and and to be honest when people lose 5 stone and gain 7 back that's not healthy you'd be better to never lose weight and have healthy habits Course. than to be yo-yoing like that. So, I mean, it's such a bigger conversation, isn't it? There's so much going on even in our culture, you know, but it is, I suppose, with kids that are overweight. There are um, some good books actually out there. Ellen Satter is a, that child pediatric dietitian who is wonderful. If you Google Ellen Satter, there's lots of really good information there, but often flies in the face of what we believe to be the best thing. So we think our child's overweight. We have to restrict them when really if we start giving them a little bit more trust and control over eating to match their appetite, but also us taking control of what that food is, is far better approach, you I know? I
0: the key thing is working... Like, I suppose from all the tips that you've given us today, from what I can pull out of it, the key thing is very much being an adult... Uh, Leading responsibly, yes. Uh, analyze, spending a little bit of time looking at the family unit, how it works in terms of food, in mm-hmm. terms of health, in terms of how that whole setup works and how you plan it, yeah. And planning it better, yeah. The one family, one meal really important. Eating Absolutely. together as a family, tech free, all really simple. And getting your children involved in cooking a little bit more, preparing the foods a little bit more, and trying out new foods and not being afraid with the word no to you know give them the meal and if they don't finish it okay. leave, leave them at it and that's perfectly fine but you know i'm not being afraid to do that mm. folks um i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the real health podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. um if you have any questions as ever you can email us it's real at independent.ie or hashtag real health podcast on twitter and on instagram we always love a good rating so don't forget to rate us even if you haven't enjoyed the episode pop a little rating up there as well thank you so much for listening have a wonderful week Eva Hearn thank you so much for coming in thank you Leia Healthcare, it's good to
1: live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.